Hi, friend. Hello. <laughs> so we're doing things a little differently today. We're I... sitting in an echoey room, facing each other really closely. I know, it's a little on the awkward side. <laughs> well, you know, when we sit down at a coffee shop, we're this close and we're talking. But because we're recording later in the day, we both have our waters and it's not quite the same feeling. Maybe we should get a little table, like as if we're in a coffee shop. Well, we wouldn't talk this loud because then everybody around will hear. No. Who's going to hear us now? <laughs> yeah. No, wait a minute. We always talk this loud. Always. No, we It's just in a bigger don't. room. No, we don't. You say we, don't include me I in have that. one volume, it's loud. I would concur. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Well, you're the one that said it. You said it's always you're loud. And I said, to, no, you're supposed to argue that point. And say, no, you have a wonderful voice. I didn't, you didn't say you didn't have a wonderful voice, you said loud. You can be loud and I wonderful. Am. Do you know I used to work in an office and I used to get in trouble for my voice all the time. How about in school? In school, yep. But I had a problem with like daydreaming and I would be singing in my daydreams. And Out loud? Oh, I love At yeah. school? <laughs> I remember in like third grade, the teacher was like saying my name repeatedly and then she said it very loudly and I was like, I, I like woke up and I had been singing out loud looking out the window. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> Of course I'm serious. Why would I make up a story like that? Because it sounds like something out of a movie. Oh my gosh, how come I always talk about movies? Seriously, it does. Or these these days, they probably would be like, Angela, and then you would have to go see the, I don't know, do they send kids to the principals anymore? I don't know, I'm not in school, <laughs> and I, my kids are all adult kids. Let's just say my kids that are homeschooled, if they get in trouble at home, they're busted well, even yeah. more. I mean, what's worse than principal is having to go to your father. That is true. And having to, you know. I didn't get in trouble by my father very often, but when I did, it was usually pretty big. Speaking of getting in trouble, I'm not going to say any names, but my son, Evan. <clears throat> <laughs> I know, right? You're so bad. I know, but I own up to it. He got in trouble the other day, and he was beyond devastated. Spent half an hour, he was crying on the couch just in and out, pouting, all this stuff. And it was an ongoing thing, like all day. It was on again, off again, on again, off again. It boiled down to, it was disrespect. It wasn't the issue, it was the way he handled it. And it was disrespect. And I had to nip it in the bud and it was hard. Later that night, he came to me, probably gave me a five minute hug, would not stop embracing me. And we had like the best conversation. And then he came later and said, mom, thank you. And I'm like, what for? And he was explaining about now I know what he was talking about consequences. Actually, mm. it was a day later. He came to me and said, thank you. Cause I thanked him for, I'm like, you're respecting. I appreciate how hard you're working. I appreciate how well you're doing. He said, well, you know, I was thinking about how I got in trouble and it's not worth it. And mm. I'm like, oh. Thank you, really? Lord. It was beautiful. And you didn't have to bring Brian in on all that? No. Wow. This time I didn't. There's very rarely that I need. There's something to about bring a him dad in. coming down on boys that they have that conversation and there's like this thing. Well, my mom never did the whole wait till your dad gets home. No. She never did that. Oh, no. I would rather get in trouble by my dad because he extended more grace than my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. I'll have to remember that in the future. Right. Exactly. <laughs> 
But, but the dynamics of getting in trouble with my mom was far worse. But my dad really, I felt like, signified my heavenly father. Just grace, hearing me, listening to me, understanding me, where my mom was a little more quick to judge. And that's not a bad thing against my mom, but I feel like I kind of do the same thing. And I'm trying hard to work on that. So my poor kids, I was raised by a Marine, and then I was a Marine. Right. And I know your husband was around Marines. Still doesn't make him a Marine. Sorry. Oh, no. (laughs) You are going to get in trouble for that one. Angie, you may have just lost a friend. (laughs) Oh, come on now. I know he hung out with Marines, but oh, he he didn't have to go through the same training. Wait. Naval officers get trained by Marine officers? Oh, sweetheart, do you not know that the Marines are... Department of the Navy. Department of, of the Navy. Of course I know that. Yes. So the Marine... Do the Marines actually train I, those officers? I Marines mean? don't have doctors. It's no, the Navy I know. doctors. But I'm saying, I think in when they go through their boot camp for OCS, that they get trained by Marine... Um, they get trained by Marines, I Ask think. Ask him. I don't know. You should know these things. No, I just, I knew my place. (laughs) But I know that he was better when he went out and he would shoot guns and stuff on the place where they do that. I don't know. There's a formal (laughs) name for it. On the rifle range? Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And he was the better shot than some of the Marines. And there was instant respect because of that. That is a very good thing. Oh, yeah. So, wait. So, my parents. So, stop beating up my husband. Tell me on about It's not about, it's just that he's Navy. Sorry, Brian. (laughs) Um, It's just that, that. My poor kids had to deal with me as a Marine mom. And my husband at the time worked before the kids got up and came home after they went to bed. He worked very, very long hours and sometimes seven days a week. So I was kind of parenting alone. And so I had to be that person. There was no way to say, wait till your dad gets home. Plus, I was kind of like the enforcer. Right. So. Hence the Marine. Well, we were both Marines. We, so he should have had a little of that so as re- well. So refresh my memory. Were you deployed when your kids were little, when your oldest was little? When my oldest was little, yeah. I left him at when he was four months old. With and I who? With my sister until he was 13 months old. So he, never, he doesn't remember right, all of that. Right, right. And she kept me up to date. But I had to do a deployment, so I chose to do it, you know, then. When he was, when he was really small. Right. Which was really hard when he was four months old, to leave him. Oh, sure. And then, you know, my, my sister raised him as her own and then really missed him when I finally took him home. But then when I took him home, like, she, she he had just started to kind of start walking, and she stopped, she stopped, like, in, for encouraging him. Did so she that he shove went, him down? She pushed him no, down? No, no, she, <laughs> she didn't push him down. No, but she, um, she just didn't encourage it at right. all. So that when he came to me... He wasn't really walking yet, okay. um, but he started walking at 15 months, and I got him back at like 13 months. Okay. So anyway, you know, that didn't hamper my relationship with Josh. But when Josh was two, Phil got orders. So from the time he was between he was two and three, Phil was deployed. So it didn't really change Josh's world too much because, right. you know, he went from being with me to continuing to be with me. Um, but we were out of the service by the time we had more kids. Okay. So we didn't have to worry about all of that. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we got out was because we were married and got separated. 
And okay. other branches of the service don't do that. So it's like, if you want to have a family, don't go in the Marines. Right, <laughs> right. Because you know what they say in the Marines, if we wanted you to have a family, we would have issued you one. Oh. Did you know they said that? No. Yeah. I've never what, heard that. Oh, plenty of times we heard that. Plenty no, of but times. I'll tell you a, a creepy story when we were in the military. A creepy about, Navy story, probably. No, because they were Marines <laughs> that were at our house. We decided to host a Christmas party because the, all the um, battalion aid station corpsmen were not able to go home. So Little Miss Party Planner is like, oh, yay, let's have everybody over. And we had appetizers. I had games for kids, thinking kids would be there. And we had a variety of beverages, various things of that nature. So everybody started showing up. And all of a sudden, it dawned on us, these are kids, 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds. So we put away a variety of beverages that shouldn't be there. And everybody just started hanging out and having fun. There was one Marine that was married. And we don't know where she went off to. I found her in the bedroom and got my baby out of the crib and was rocking my baby. And I went in there. I know your eyes are all big. My eyes were big too. And I didn't, it was that something right out of a movie. And I walked in there. I said, oh, hi, what are you doing? Oh, I just, and then I don't even remember at that point. And I'm like, I'll take him. And I went and told Brian and Brian respectfully had them removed from our home. I mean, that was thinking that about it was now. creepy. Thinking about it now, I'm like, I don't know why I didn't react any differently, but that was. Well, you had to be calm because you oh don't know gosh, with all those. I haven't thought about that in years. Like, which child was this? It was my Evan. Oh, my. Weird. Yeah. Yeah, that would be creepy. And I would have done the same thing really calmly, like, let me have him. Yes, <laughs> yes. And then like, get out of here. Who does that? Oh, anyway. I, mm, I just can't even pinpoint a person who would actually, without permission, especially when a the party is not there. Yes. Yes. So um, the, the interesting part was how you and I would think about things is you planned a party for all these people. Corman, Corman and are enlisted and the officers are officers, your husband being one of them, and they're not supposed to be hanging out and partying together. <laughs> well, no, they weren't supposed to frat fraternize. 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 And I don't think that's how it was. He worked with his chief to make sure that everything was, you know, legit, yeah. that it was that kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, that was our first and our last. <laughs> oh, I'll say that. Yeah. What did he say to her? I honestly, I don't remember. Oh man. I'm going to ask him next time I see him. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> He probably doesn't even remember that. There are things that I remember in our marriage and with the kids and life. He has no clue, no recollection. Yeah, we all remember things for different reasons. So I was thinking of this all from, like, I was an enlisted. And so I wasn't allowed to go out and fraternize with the officers. However, <laughs> and however she there were times in Memphis when we hung out with our teachers and they were all senior enlisted or, well, I don't think we hung out with the officers, but senior enlisted. But it's funny because I didn't have like any kind of relationships with any of the officers unless they were my direct supervisor. So I really didn't get to know any of these officers because we didn't hang out. They were just the supervisors. Right. Well, now 
were on Facebook and they're all like buddy buddy and I'm going, I still don't know who you are. I mean, I know who you are, right. but I don't know anything about these people. I didn't work with them that closely. I mean, I was like way down on the pecking order as far as enlisted and even with my job, I was way down on experience. And so when it came to going up and working with the pilots, the other guys who'd been in the shop for a long time were the ones that went up and worked with the pilots on the, whatever was broken. That wasn't me. I was the, you know, I'll hand you a wrench if you ask me for it. Right. <laughs> right. But so I didn't have any of that. But that's the difference. I mean, it's so funny because military life is so different. It is. And what you experienced is completely different from what I experienced. Right. We were just having this conversation last night because I had said to you once before about officers' wives mm-hmm. and how they're so entitled. Well, Emily had... But I'm not. But you're not. And I wasn't. <laughs> so let's clarify But that. you know that there are. Oh, my stars. I could not stand. Uh-oh. <laughs> I would not have chosen to hang out with... Those women. And again, what I'm struggling with is it's a stereotype because not all of them were. No, but, I understand. But as a whole, yeah. Yeah. And it was because they were married to a person who had... like. I think they were married to an idea. They were married to a, this is the way, it kind of, it kind of is that, is it, I never watched the show Stepford Wives. It's this, um, from what I understand, it's this, I, I am somebody because my husband is somebody. Yes. And there were even some that it would be my spouse because there were officers that were the wives and there were husbands that came to some of the officer wives things. And that had a little spin, even a spin to where some of the wives were a little too, what's the word? Friendly, friendly with the other opposite sex officer's spouse. It was, it's, it's a whole nother world. A whole nother a whole world. Nother world. Oh and gosh. you know, it's funny because um, those wives who were the kind who would get in front of you in line at the PX or whatever, you right, know, right. because they were so... Self-entitled, yes. But the bottom line is, if you pissed off that person, they still went to their husband and you still got in trouble. Yep. So they really did have that power, even though they did not have that power. Yep. But it made me hate them all the more. Mm -hmm. So that was one part of my little world. And being an officer is is so much more higher level than enlisted. I always tell people when they're like, why aren't you thinking about going to the service? Like, go do some college first. <laughs> do some college first and go in as an officer. Because I remember being deployed. I told you I was gone for six months right. to Japan when my son was little. And we were not allowed to leave. Like, there was no vacations. There was no, you know, we could take um, a day and we could go request to go to Hiroshima or Tokyo or whatever, but we had to be back by a certain time. Like right. you had to get permission right. to go anywhere. And we couldn't have family visits. We couldn't do any of that. We had to work through telephone, which back then was still a pay phone. Right. So um, that, that was just the way it was. But then the officer's wives were all flying over to Japan and hanging out with them in their little apartments. Right. Which none of us had either, whether we were married or not. We were all in barracks. So it was like, wait a minute. Like, why? How? how it's not supposed to be normal. Like, that's not normal life. But military life, that's what it is. And there's a lot of, that's really hard 
that's really hard to take. Are you bitter? A little bit. A little bit. Do you need counseling? Probably. <laughs> Probably. That's what coffee's for. Is that really what it's you and I in a you and I in a podcast and coffee. That's what it's for. No, yeah. but I'm I'm I mean, it's just the way it was. It's just the way military was. And I if I could do it all over again, I would have gone officer. So I would not be one of those people. And because I was always like, I was the, always the kind of person that wanted to treat everybody with respect. I didn't, like, I will respect an officer if you earn it. Like my captain that I worked for, he was the West Coast food service officer. So he handled all the food service places all, all on the West Coast. And he was a wonderful guy. He was a great guy to work for. As a matter of fact, I actually requested to stay with him for three and a half years as his assistant. And he was great. And you did? And I did. Yeah, he actually... So you must have done something right for them to have honored your request. Well, yeah. That doesn't always happen. I was supposed to be there for six months. And I told him, he's like, you know, you're going to have to go back. And I was like, well, can I stay? And he's like, do you want to stay? And I was like, I do. And he goes... All right. They don't care. The the military base had to fill a position. Right. From each of the squadrons, you had to fill a position on the base. And I was filling a position. They don't care who fills it. And he, so he, okay, same guy reported directly to the general. So nobody's going to argue with him. <laughs> if he says, I'm That's keeping her. interesting because, again, my perspective, and again, you lived it. I observed it. And heard about it through Brian. You know, that kind of a thing. So the different perspective, the women that I knew, they they moved around every two to three years. Even within the same base, different squadrons. Because they don't want full relationships to be built. Because then there's that, I'll scratch your back, you'll scratch mine. It's this full-on barrier, I think, that's created so that when the... CEO says, do you say yes and you jump and there's no questions asked. But if you have a spouse who's friends with a spouse and then you're going to, I'm not explaining this well, but then you're, you're scratching somebody's back. I can understand what you're saying. Am I saying it clear enough? No, not at all. I'm sure everybody's confused. And I do, I do think there's a lot of movement, but it also depends on It also depended on where you were at. So in my field, it was avionics. We were trained for one job. Right. And so there's not a lot of squadrons that had that particular plane to do that particular job. There weren't that many billets available. And being a female, that knocked out one whole squadron because they went on a boat every other, that was three six month chunks. So they were home for a year and then out for six months home for a year and out six months. But see, I couldn't go to that squadron because I was a female and I was not going on the boat. Right. So Which I isn't had, true anymore. Probably that not. That doesn't hold anymore. Oh, there's no. so much girlfriend that has changed. I'm sure. Yeah. I could have gone and gotten on a different plane, but I would have had to get all new training. The plane that I had was kind of on its last leg. As a matter of fact, when I got out, everybody had to move. Okay. Two F-18s because the plane I had was from Vietnam and the wings kept falling off. And it was decommissioned? Decommissioned. Okay. So. I said that word because it made me sound smart. Yeah. Like you, <laughs> you have a military word, you say. I know. But when I worked for the food service officer, I was part of the, um, the actual base. Okay. So the general of the base 
ran these different things and all the squadrons reported to him, but I came from a squadron to fulfill a billet on the base, Okay, which was working for the food service officer. And that, I don't even know how they do that. I mean, they had plenty of people in the food service industry that were brought from the chow hall and brought into the office to work. Like everybody I worked with. So I have no idea why there was one fleet assistance program person that was needed, but I got it and I loved it. And the, the gal that I worked with, we were both his admin. She was, a, she was assigned to food service, but she had like oodles and oodles of admin experience. Like she did shorthand. Do you know anybody that does shorthand anymore? Uh, no. No. She knew shorthand because she went to a business school and learned shorthand. So when they found out how talented she was, they were like, you're going to go work for the food service officer. So she didn't even have to work in the mess hall, which was her MOS. So how was that beneficial in that role? How was shorthand beneficial? Because we didn't have computers yet. So okay. she, I'm sorry. Okay. she would sit in meetings and do shorthand of okay, all his I'm, meetings. I'm following now. So she was like the main main admin for him. She had a really great role and she just stayed there. She actually got some meritorious promotions from it because she was really, really good. But she ended up being my best friend and she introduced me to my husband. Oh. And I still like her. You still like her. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, no, they, they are still good friends of ours, um, her and her husband. They were friends of Phil's as well. And so they, right. they, they put us together on a blind date. That's a whole nother story. So how did we get talking about military? Because we were talking about, oh my stars. I know I said something about Evan and discipline. Oh, you had the party over at your house. I don't know how we got onto it. See, my father, when my father was in, it was totally different too, but he was in during the Korean War. Right. And when I graduated boot camp, we as women Marines had two ceremonies. Okay, so back when I was in, there was a thing called Women Recruit Training Command. And there were 21 series in this woman recruit training command. So every time a group would come in, they'd just take that next number. And it was 1 through 21, and then they'd start back over at 1 again. Huh. Well, I was in 19, and when 21 happened, that was the last one of women recruit training command. Oh. And they kind of broke that down and made it 4th Battalion. So then the women started training like the men. We didn't do hand-to-hand -hand combat. We actually, you're not going to believe this, we actually had training on how to be ladies, including makeup. You're kidding me. No, I'm not kidding you. Because women Marines, if you think about a woman Marine, you're going to think of somebody who's really, you know, manly, butch. You know what I mean? No, they taught us how to take care of ourselves, how to, how to put makeup on, how to, to look like a beautiful woman Marine. So now I think it doesn't, isn't there a law or rule or something? Well, it doesn't matter again, about women recruit training command is disassembled. Now they're fourth battalion. Now they do hand to hand combat. Now they do all the same training that the guys do. Because and that's what women have wanted all along. Well, and yeah, that's and what they've pushed for. Well, you think about it. This was just, I mean, this was in the eighties. Yeah. So that's what they did. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we went through all that training and then it was changed. But when I graduated, there was a Women Recruit Training Command ceremony that was just our groups. Did they serve tea? Tea time? Sorry. No. <laughs> 
But Go ahead. But we had our own little courtyard, and we had our own little where the the captain who was in charge of our command was the one around and you know honored people and pinned them and all that kind of stuff. So it was really it was really more of an intimate ceremony, as you know. Right. But when you went out to the parade field, then you had all the guys, you had all the women, you had a big graduation. And they were, I know, I take that back. I think only the women graduated that day, but it was bigger. Right. And you had the general of the base and you had all these big muckety mucks that were there. And our captain who had just had this little private ceremony with us now was leading us in front of the general. So it was much bigger, much more pomp and circumstance. Right. But my father was a Marine he drove, he worked in Motor T, which was, you know, working on the trucks and the tractors and stuff like that. He was a mechanic, but he used to drive the general around oh. during the war. So when I went, graduated and I went to the big ceremony, I was the high shooter of my series. I got the highest score on the rifle range. So I was on the honor detachment. There was only five people in the honor detachment, and I was one of them. So that meant my father got to sit with the general. Oh, wow. And he was elated. He was just so tickled because the general turned around and shook his hand and said, I hope you're really proud of your daughter. She did a great job. You know, and just... Was that an emotional bonding time for you and your dad? Uh, I mean, I didn't see it. I wasn't mm-hmm. there for it, but he got pretty excited about it. Yeah. So it was a good thing. You know, that was a good thing. I'll tell you about all how it all went to crap later. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, <clears throat> I'd like anyway. to see some pictures from <clears throat> some of this. Well, that's interesting. I lost a lot of my pictures. But you want to hear a really funny story? Is we had a, a book. It was kind of like a yearbook. But it was for our uh, series. Right. So in our series, there was 19A and 19B. And How I was... How do you remember all of this? My stars. Um, like the I, details. I don't remember a lot of the details, but there are certain things I do remember. Okay. So I was in 19B, and 19A was on the other side of the barracks, but we all did everything together. We were just broken into two groups of like 30 each, I think. When we graduated, we, have a, we had a book of both of them. Now, I didn't know a lot of the girls from that side, unless we pulled some kind of a duty. We knew of them, but we didn't know them very well. Whereas right. I got to know the girls on my side of the barracks really well because we did life together. Well, years, fast forward, years, and I'm talking years, fast forward. And we are living in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And where we lived was like this mile long square. And we were on one corner of the square. And way down on the other corner of the square was another house. And there were some houses in between, but it was a lot, it was Wyoming, there was a lot of space between us, right? Well, we would always have a campfire in our little corner of our yard. And we would make food and have fellowship and all this fun stuff. Well, one day this couple and their kids come walking down from that house way at the other corner. And we invited them over and said, yeah, come join us. You know, it was really nice because the kids were all kind of the same age and we'd never met them before, but they saw the fire. So they walked down, got talking to the lady and we were talking about being Marines. And she was like, my husband and I were Marines. Turns out she was in, I think it was a, a, either a squadron right behind me or she might've been in 21, but our yearbooks have the same pictures. Oh, so, wow. so they give you, 
they give you these yearbooks or these right. squadron books, and they have all these stock pictures that they took of all the series, you know, and they use those as stock pictures. And then there's a section in the middle that's just yours. And we had the same book except for that little section in the middle. So she had pictures of me in her book, and I had what pictures of her in my book. And it was the craziest thing that we were there. Like, I was just leaving when she was coming in. That but stuff's I, surreal but there, So there was a lot of, um, like, color pictures. Mm-hmm. And I was in some of those color pictures because I was high shooters. So they had pictures of me on the range and things like that. But then the black and white ones were specifically ours. So it, it was just crazy. Years, <laughs> years later, how we both were in the same place. And I had never met her before. But there we were, Cheyenne, Wyoming. In the middle of nowhere. What a hoot. I'm telling you, if that's not a divine intervention, I don't know what is. And I don't remember her name or anything about her, but it was just... She probably heard stories about you. I just remember our... Okay, so we had three of the um, sergeants. Oh, they weren't all sergeants. What are they called? We had three drill instructors, all women. We didn't get trained by men because women recruit training command. You got trained by women. So the captain who ran the woman recruit training command was this tall, thin, blonde woman, and she was a marathon runner. And she came in and said, whoever gets high shooter, I will take my bar off and put it on you. And she was a lieutenant at the time. Um, And a first lieutenant. And we had a little ceremony in my barracks when I got high shooter, and she took her bar off and she pinned it to my... And I still have that. Oh, wow. I still have that. That was very cool. Oh, um, yeah. But the other ladies, there was this tall, thin black woman. And she was the senior of, of the three women that ran our barracks. And I cannot for the life of me, I think it might have been Sergeant Thomas. She was a sergeant. The other two were corporals. Okay. So the next rank down. Well, this woman, when she talked, she had a very, you know, sweet voice. But she was stern. Right. Well, one day she got laryngitis and she could barely talk. And she, she would go up to she would go up to this one girl and she'd get right in her face and she'd be like, and she could barely talk, right? And she's chewing her out. She could barely talk and she's just like that. Barely could talk. And we were trying not to laugh, because you know if we laugh, oh, yeah. we're going to get in so you're much next. trouble. You're, right. you're going to be whispered at next. Yeah. <laughs> and it was so funny, because she could not, you could not hear her. But this woman was, like, right in this girl's face. So then she goes up. We're getting ready to march somewhere, and we have to march everywhere, and they have to call Cadence. And she goes up there to call Cadence, and I was like, what is she doing? She can't even talk, right? So we get all ready to go. She gets up there in the front, and I'm like, this isn't going to be good, right? And she goes, tune. And I went, what the heck was that? Oh, my gosh. She saved it all up for just that very moment. I could not get over it. She just dug deep, and she was like, black tune. And we all went, what the heck happened? So, like, speaking voice, she couldn't do, but she pushed that to call Kate. my throat. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. I I was about dying. No, I got in trouble a few times. I did get in trouble a few times. I'm sure you so, did. So, the one, the one corporal, she, um, she was really cool. She was, like, a steady 
Like she didn't have her way high and way low. She was just a real steady instructor. But she loved Patsy Cline and she would call cadence to Patsy Cline. She was probably one of the best cadence callers that I had ever seen in the Marines. She was fantastic the way she would call cadence. The other lady was Hispanic and she had a like fiery temper and she'd get after you. And she, we all got our orders near the end and she would go, who's going to avionics? And of several of us who would raise our hands and she's like, don't get pregnant. <laughs> Wait, fast forward because I went and got pregnant in A school and I go to my duty station and I get in the elevator and wouldn't you know, oh, no. there she was because that was her MOS as well. She was also avionics. Oh, no. And I walked in and I looked at her and I said, hi. And I go, yeah, I didn't listen. She's like, yep. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> there were certain things. Oh, certain things that just, but that, that, other lady, the way she called Cadence was just fantastic. So one of, the, one of the things we did in our little private ceremony at graduation that I was telling you about is that we did a squadron song and we would sing to our instructors kind of our experience. And we did a whole thing about her to a Patsy Cline song. Oh, cool. It was really cool. It was, you ever watch A League of Their Own, the yeah. movie? Yeah. Okay, so these girls, they come up with their own kind of songs to sing. And that's what it felt like. It was just this camaraderie that us ladies had. And Marines or not, it was just really neat to experience that. Because that was the end of it. <laughs> that was the end of it. <laughs> then I went out and became one of the boys, you know, on the, on the flight line. And I worked on the flight line. That was a very cool job. I bet you're having major flashbacks. Yeah, I mean... It was a great time. And it, so much happened in five years yeah. of being active duty. But the flight line was probably the coolest. One of the things I appreciate about the military is every moment is intentional. There is a reason when you, you, know, when you go mm -hmm. to work, when you have things to do, you're intentional. There's no... I was 21, though. I did not realize that. I did not have the maturity. If I had just hung in, I would have probably seen all this. I've got friends who retired and now they're retired Marines. And I'm like, holy cow, where have you been for 20 some years, yeah. 30 years? And they were like, Pentagon. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I just didn't have the opportunities that people had to stay in. And so it wasn't worth it to fight it and, and to change. And Desert Storm was happening and that kind of freaked me out. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I got a kid. I'll just get out. Thank you. And the Marines were like, fine, see ya. You know, next. Right, right. It's that, re it's that revolving door. And I still am aware of people that are signing up and going. And it's scary, but it's exciting. You know, um, I do recommend the military. I mean, even now, there's benefits to being a veteran, you know. Um, and like I was telling somebody yesterday about, you know, going to the VA. And they have a women's clinic. And so I can go a lot easier than other veterans because the women's clinic is smaller. Right. But I can go there as my primary care physicians. And they send me out to get my knee looked at. They send me out to get my orthotics. They do everything from the women's clinic. And so all I have to do is call them. But everybody else has to go through these other primary care things, and it takes forever for military people to get seen. Brian actually ran into... Um, somebody we went to college with, he graduated, went off to the Air Force, but when we moved back here, somehow they were able to connect 
and they hadn't talked since college and just he retired from the military if I recall correctly but somehow like you said you run into people or just connect and I guess with Facebook too being able to yeah Facebook I'm on there with with a lot of people I mean when the Marine Corps birthday comes around I hear from them all right but yeah a lot of the gals that I graduated with I bet there's pictures on there I'll have to get into my pictures and show you a few oh absolutely I it had some very interesting yeah very interesting things happen you know um yeah (laughs) I, I used to get in trouble. You're like, what I do was, I say? What do I not say? What do I tell you, Nicole? What do I, I was do not, I not tell you? I was not always obedient the way the military would like you to be. <laughs> so what I you're admit, saying is you're human? Yes. You were then? But I can tell you, you're going to laugh at this. Okay. I was raised Catholic. Am I supposed to laugh now? No, not okay. yet. Okay, all right. You'll know when. <laughs> I was raised Catholic. And when you're raised Catholic... There is Catholic and there's everybody else. Oh. There's Catholic, which is Christian, and then there's the others that are not the same. So um, when we go to boot camp on Sundays, and the drill instructors encouraged you to go to church, they said... To church or mass? Church. Okay. Whichever you wanted. There was Catholic and there was Protestant. Right. I didn't know what a Protestant was. Okay. Okay. My first experience... In a non-Catholic church is when my best friend got married right after high school. And she said something about her pastor's wife. And I went, oh, no. Your pastor's married? How does that work? Like, I sat. to a priest. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I sat in her Baptist church and just was like, what is this? Like, to me, it was another religion. I had right. no idea. All I knew was Catholic. Right. So when we went into the service, the drill instructors were like, you, you may end up in war. You better find God. Like you better go to church. So plus it was free time and we would, you know, get in little groups and we'd march ourselves to church. Yeah. Well, I would go to the Catholic mass because I don't know what a Protestant is. Right. I don't, it's some other religion. I'm not going to go to another religion. So I would go to the Catholic mass. I would get out of that. And then the next group would go in and I'd see all my other friends and I was like, what are they doing? What are they doing? (laughs) So that was my first like really experience with what are these two religions, right? Knowing all these other priests were married. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember um, my mother came down, my mother and father came to my graduation and we went to service that morning, except I don't remember what, I don't know if they were just having a big service or if it was one big service or if we actually went to the Catholic mass. I don't know. All I remember was, you know, it's all these men and women together. And during the service, they all start barking because that's what Marines do is they go, you know, they bark like devil dogs. And my father just thought that was the funniest thing in the world that they were doing that during church. Anyway, um, so that was my first experience and I didn't, no, I went to church, but I didn't know what Protestant meant. Then I go out and just doing life, and we get sent to Iwakuni, Japan. And I don't know anything about the faith of anybody I'm working with. We just don't talk about that stuff. Nobody was evangelizing to me. Nobody, you know, we just didn't talk about it. But I remember getting all dressed up with my friends one night to go out and party because I was just a little bit of a partier in the Marines. And I remember seeing 
coworkers of mine sitting on the front steps of the barrack singing worship music. Oh, wow. People that I work with every day. Right. And they were sitting there singing worship music. There was like six or seven of them, maybe six of them. And I was like, I want to be there. Like, I didn't even know what it was, but I was drawn to it. And I, I think I may have even asked the one guy, like, what were you guys doing? He's like, we were singing worship songs. I'm like, what's that? You know, right, I'm a Catholic. Right. I don't know what that means. Um, but I remembered it so clearly how it was such a draw for me. I mean, I'm a worship leader now. Right. Now I understand it. That was, that was my destiny was calling me. Right. And then when I went to work for the food service officer, I was still crazy partier person. And there was a guy that worked downstairs that was... Um, he, he did uh, acquisitions, like he ordered stuff right. for us. Well, he would sometimes order stuff that was, you know, for us. Extra. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Right? And one day I came down to him, and he would tell us a little bit about some of his experiences, which I was like, man, whatever. And one day he said, I'm not doing that anymore. <gasps> and I go, I know why. Why? And he goes, because I'm trying to follow God. Oh, and I was wow. like, what does that mean? Like, I had no clue what that meant. Right. But this little short, very short, sweet little black woman named Carla Love, she was works in the mess hall. She would come up and see me every once in a while. And I had a marine mouth. And she would look me in the face and say, you need to clean up that mouth of yours. Like, she mommed me big right. time. Well, it, one thing led to another. She was the one that actually took me to church where I did the altar call. I had n no clue what I was doing. I was walking up there. But, I mean, there was, that was like the beginning. And then this guy who, who started following Christ, they were, they were in the Bible study that I started to go to after I became a Christian. And my best friend, she knew everything about the Bible because she was raised in church. How did I not know this? Oh, wow. But she and I and my husband got baptized together. I was just, it's craziness. But that's wow. where I found Jesus was in the military. That is so beautiful. Actually, I would say my parents, same, their, their story is, I don't know about the partying, but it's kind of the same thing. Grew up in church and went to the military, and that's when they solidified. You are not the first person that I've heard that said that they met the Lord in the military. It's, it's amazing. And I wasn't even in a foxhole. like that. <laughs> you weren't in a fun. No, I mean when you're. I know, I know. When you're that, facing that, come to Jesus. Me, oh, yes, yeah. but no. Yeah, it was just because somebody finally like reached out to me. It was Carla. Yeah. Wow. I know. And look, here I am on Christian radio. Have you been able to connect with her since then? No, I probably should try to find her. They I lived in California should. for a while. You should, Angie. Trying to remember what her husband's name is. He was very tall. Like she was Mr. little. Mr. Love. I'm sure his last name was Love, yes. Yeah. Back in the day when they had took each other's names. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, I just think about, again, reflecting back on our experiences and where God has brought us. Because still right now, we, a lot of us, are struggling still with the pandemic, still with whatever any of this is. But if you look back at what God has done before, and what can he do with what's now? Mm -hmm. I mean, I... Wow. I feel like I have, like, I look back at all of that and I definitely see God 
That's why I love that song from Josh Baldwin. I see the the evidence of his goodness all over my life. Right. From the very beginning all through my life. And I was a wreck. So see, there's hope for anybody. Because <laughs> if I made it, so can they. <laughs> but that's so many people's story. I mean, it, it really is. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, we got to go. That's probably enough of me rattling on about the... How did we talk about the military for 45 minutes? Hmm. All right. Well, that's it for today, I guess. Love you, friend. Thanks for sharing all of your goodies and past. <sighs> Was that boring? Was that no, boring? I like continuing to get to know you more. I mean, really. Huh. That's... that's what about the military? This isn't... To me, this isn't about a podcast. It's an opportunity to get to know you more and for us to just dig into the brain. Oh, kind of, which and I told I you all the good sometimes. stuff. Thank God oh, I, you don't stuff. know all the bad stuff that went with it. Next week, all the bad stuff Angie has to share. <laughs> That's a little teaser, right? On Angie and friends on a podcast. <laughs> all right, hilarious. saying goodbye. Bye. Bye. The Shine FM Podcast Network.